Hey y'all, and welcome back to Blush You, the podcast where you tell us your juiciest stories and we get to dish on them. I'm Callie and I'm here with my co-host Elise. Hello everybody. How we doing this week? We are great, but we are all melting like snowmen because it is hot everywhere in this stinking country. It is literally disgustingly hot. It's so hot. Elise, I jumped on the call and Elise was like, oh my gosh, your skin looks so dewy. And I'm like, it's called sweat. It's the newest (laughs) rage. You can get it anywhere (laughs) on the shelves over the counter. Yeah. So I am cranky because it's so hot outside and I don't like it. I don't pay this much in living expenses to live in a place where it's hot. Okay. Yeah. That's fair for 70 degree weather. (laughs) That's totally fair. Also, do you want to know how many, let's play a game really quick. Guess how many drinks I have on my bedside table right now? Five. Wait, how did you know that? Because I'm brilliant because five is a stupid amount. And I was like, it can't be four because I've had four and haven't noticed four, but five it's like, I'm running out of square footage. Yeah, I literally, <laughs> I literally have a kombucha, a ginger ale, a large water, a smaller water. And I've been doing this thing where I drink my warm coffee in the morning. I drink half of it and then I put it in the fridge and then I have iced coffee in the afternoon. Cause I've been getting like an afternoon slump. That's called old coffee. Is that disgusting that I do that? (laughs) I don't know. I guess I'd have to taste it to be sure, but I don't love the sound of it. But do you put ice in it? No, this is literally just- No, it's just old coffee. This is just old coffee. That's Okay. Well, Well, you know what? I hate the taste of coffee anyways. And it honestly like gives me like the jitters and like I have one sip and I'm like- and so, um, Hummingbird. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, um, drink a whole lot, but now that I said that out loud, I like, feel like that might be gross. I think it might be too, but that's okay. <laughs> we all do things that are kind of gross. Like I'm not judging. I was more just wanting, I don't know why I was like, okay, so that's just old coffee is what that is. All right. Let's get into our sparkles. Okay. <laughs> I don't like where this is headed. <laughs> What's yours. Okay. My, so Carl came home, um, from work one day and he was like, okay, I have like a brilliant story to tell you. And I was like, okay, like lay it on me. I think it's a biblical story, but Carl like gave it to me in his words. So just, if anyone recognizes this story, just know that it's probably off because Carl has a bad memory and he also says a lot of cuss words, so it's fine. Okay. I'll try to make it quick. So there's this farmer. Okay. And the farmer has a farm. He has this like prized winning horse. Okay. And one day the horse gets free and runs away and the neighbor comes out and is like, oh my God, your horse, your prized possession ran away. This is so horrible. And the farmer goes like, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. And the neighbor's like, okay, that's weird. Like, this is definitely a horrible situation. So a couple days pass and the horse comes back and he ends up bringing a whole herd of other like stallions and Mustangs with him, like amazing horses. So the neighbor comes out and is like, oh my God, you got your horse back. You got all these other horses. Like it's a miracle. And the farmer goes like, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. The next day, the farmer's son goes outside to feed all the horses. And one of the new horses 
kicks him and breaks his arm. And then it's like a whole thing. And the neighbor comes out and he's like, oh my God, the new horse, like hurt your son. This is so horrible. And the farmer goes like, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. And then the next day the army comes and they're looking to recruit people who are like healthy and able. And so they pass up on the kid's son because he has a broken arm and he can't go to war. And so the neighbor comes out and he's like, oh my God, I think that's actually the end of the story. Well, you get what I'm saying. So he, but basically the whole point is that (laughs) some things that look really great can actually be like, you know, you can't, it could either be a great thing or it could be a bad thing. I think I know the the moral of the story. Tell us. Sometimes old coffee can just be iced coffee (laughs) and you can put a positive spin on anything. <laughs> that is my motto. I ha- I mean, I just took so much meaning from that because let's just, I mean, call a spade a spade. I've had a lot of horrible shit happen this year. And so I think like hearing that was like, okay, like what seems horrible right now, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around how it could ever become a blessing, but I'm sure hopefully that happens mm-hmm. at some point. But yeah. Moral of the story is that it can be a blessing in disguise. Yeah. It seems like a really hard thing while you're going through it. It yeah, it does. I've always just clung to the fact that like while we can't control the timing, the timing is the one thing that's being controlled by something else that is needs to be in charge. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, I guess I'll just go. Like if this is the timing that's supposed to happen and timing is one thing that pisses me off, like more than anything. Like I hate timing and I hate thinking about this thing should have happened six months ago or it should happen in six. Like I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. But I I think we just have to realize that like timing, that's, that's how I view things that timing is supposed to happen when it's supposed to happen and you don't get to choose. And there's a reason. I know. It sucks though. What is your sparkle? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just, it's too hot outside for me to think. That's it's too fair. Hot outside for me to even freaking think. So I, I promised myself I was going to think of one and then it did not happen. And then I was like, well, I'll think about one when Elise is talking and it did not happen. And so I'm <laughs> here going, we are. So here we are. So I'm going to actually, I'm going to give a sparkle that I learned from my clients because I've had, I don't have very many clients anymore. So I had to pass most of them off to make room for other things and other things sometimes are a lot of things. And sometimes other things are not a lot of things. And so sometimes I'm like, I miss coaching. And sometimes it's like, well, oh, well, so I still have a few. And this week, the same theme kept popping up. So I was like, maybe I need to learn something from this. And maybe, maybe y'all can learn something from this, but basically I can't really give specific situations here, but it, both times it was like, okay, if you can just walk into a situation realizing that you deserve the world and more, the problem goes away, right? And you don't have to have this hard conversation or you don't have to be scared about what's going to happen or you don't have to worry about really anything else. If you just walk into every situation, assuming that you are a catch, that you are worth something, that Mm -hmm. you are 
perfect the way you are. And it's so funny because it's such an easy solution. Um, but, but it's really hard to do, but I mean, it's one solution for probably, I mean, a myriad of issues, like 10 that I can think of on any given day. And so it's easy to be like, Hey, just be confident. But I think it's more than that. It's, it's about accepting the fact that you are a catch. And I think that's Mm -hmm. really difficult for a lot of people to accept. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. I love that. I mean, I think when you, I, like I instantly go to like your worth, right? Like when you are, feel very strongly about your worth and you feel super confident in that, then I think that everything changes. At least it did for me when I was like, oh, I'm worthy, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was just interesting because these, these two sessions were night and day. I mean, there, there was nothing in common with either of them. And I have another session today and I guarantee you it'll come up where it's like, if you can just walk into this situation, assuming, not assuming that you're better than anyone else. It's not a contest. It's not a competition here, but just assuming that you deserve everything that you want in life. Mm -hmm. Um, it just makes every, you, you don't end up with people who don't value you. You don't worry about if this relationship is going to end because if it does, then okay, on to the next. You don't worry that you're going to get fired. You don't worry about anything because mm-hmm. you're just like, I am worthy of everything good. So good things will come. Mm-hmm. And isn't that crazy how like themes happen across sessions. Like I swear I could pick out like a theme each week of like, this is what we talked about in different ways for every single one of my clients. It's so bizarre. Yeah. And then I get to like, I will come up with a catchphrase in one session. I'm like, Ooh, yay. I wish I could use that again at some point. And then the next session, I'm like, Ooh, I get to use it again. And then I become a broken record. And at the end of the day, I'm like, stop saying that catchphrase. It's not that good. (laughs) Like sick of yourself by the end of the day. Oh yeah. Every day sick of myself, sick of myself, which by the way, to any of my clients who are not listening to this, which I guess that doesn't really make sense. Cause if you're not listening, you won't hear this. I don't talk to hear my own head rattle. You better be fucking listening. Okay. I'm not doing this for my own health. So yeah, if you are my client and this is your first episode listening, you've got 19 other episodes to listen to. Yeah. Number 20. Yeah. Oh my God. It is. Yeah. This is number 20. And we have a very exciting guest for 20 and I feel like 20 is like a milestone and she had a milestone yesterday she did so amber is with us today and she is one of our newer coaches but i mean she did just celebrate her year-long anniversary um with blush and we're really excited about it so this is a funny story when I, i was looking for new coaches actually i can't remember if i was actively looking for new coaches or not i think i might have and i get this resume or something in my inbox. And it was like, Oh, here's my, um, Instagram handle. And I go and look at Amber's profile and it's her bio said aspiring blush coach. Mm. And I was like, I'm dead. I'm dead. And I like screenshot it and sent it to maybe everyone. I know I was like, look at this cute human being, look at how amazing she is. And look at her Instagram bio. Like she wants to be a part of this this has to happen. And so the day after, uh, I extended the offer and she joined the team, I went back and it said like official blush coach or something <laughs> cute. And I was like, stop it. I love it. So Amber, thank you for being with us today. Hi everybody. Thank you guys so much for having me. I am very, very excited. 
Yeah. We're excited to have you. And, um, just so that everyone knows, Amber came on very much as a generalist. Like sometimes I'll bring on coaches for specific topics or, you know, specific things that maybe I'm noticing like, okay, maybe we don't have a coach who specializes in this. And the funny thing is she's actually turned into very, I mean, I know you don't do this exclusively, but I don't even know how this ended up happening. You just kind of became our go-to career coach. That was just something that ended up coming to you, I guess. Yes, it definitely did. Um, it just, I think it was like a natural progression and I'm so happy that it worked out that way. Um, cause career is something I'm really passionate about. Like there's no need to be wasting your time in something that makes you miserable. Mm -hmm. So being able to help my clients kind of navigate career, find something new, start over, whatever that may be, or even like setting boundaries at work. It's, I feel like it's so important. Um, so I love kind of becoming the career girl, but under the realm of also coaching on other topics. Yes, absolutely. We would never pigeonhole you, but it's really fun to see how that, that topic has really taken off. Um, so with that being said today, we selected a letter that really does revolve around career so that we could have Amber give us her wisdom. So Elise, let's hear it. Let's do it. Okay. Should I have a drink of one of my five drinks before I do this? Yes. Visit your beverage <laughs> buffet, old, please. Before my we get started. <laughs> okay. Dear Blush, I think I made a huge mistake and I'm not sure what to do about it. I hate my career. And while I know a lot of people hate their jobs, this feels different. Not only do I hate every minute of my job, but I also have deep regret over the choices I've made to arrive here. I, like many of my peers, decided to attend graduate school after college. I excelled in undergrad and had the grades to go to a top school. So I decided to do it considering I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do yet. Not only was the graduate program prestigious, but it all but guaranteed me a high paying job at the end of it. Fast forward five years and I'm absolutely miserable. Not only do I feel like I wasted thousands and thousands of dollars on school, but I also threw away precious time that could have been put towards finding a career that I actually liked. I feel swamped with debt, sorrow, and fear. The thing is, I really want to pursue a career in fashion. I've always loved clothes, design, fabrics, and have a good eye for pairing things together. I used to make my own clothes growing up. It was my first passion. Now that I'm 28 years old, I'm realizing I made a huge mistake by chalking up my love for design as a childhood dream, like being a rock star. I get that the easy answer is to try to pursue a career in fashion, but I'm frozen. I don't even know where to start. First of all, I have student loans, lots of them. In fact, it's such a high amount that I'll still be paying them off until I'm in my 40s at least. Second, in order to chase my dreams of fashion, I would need to live in a big city like New York, Los Angeles, or even Paris. These cities are expensive and I don't have a lot of connections. Third, I'm terrified of failing. I already feel like I failed with my first career and the consequences are enormous. So I'm not sure I could survive another failure in the job sector. So what do I do? Is it childish of me to think that fashion could cure my career woes or should I stick it out with my current job and try to make the most out of it? If I were to pursue a job in fashion, where would I even begin? Do I quit right away and jump head first? Or are there things I'm not thinking of that need to go into consideration? Please help me figure this out as every passing day feels like I'm wasting even more time from miserable and regretful. All right. This is hitting a little bit too close to home people. <laughs> and 
before you're like, wait, what are you talking about? You didn't start a career over to start blush. And you are right. But my husband went to law school. Um, actually, I was going to say before we met, but we've been friends since I was 18. So that's not true. But he went to law school kind of, it's very similar to this story. Like he was super smart, um, got into UT law, which is a top 15 school. Um, you know, obviously have student loan debt from law school, not from undergrad, which is pretty great because he's smart and he got a full ride scholarship. So that's great. <laughs> and then, you know, joins the big law firm and was like, wait, I have to basically keep a diary of everything I do every six minutes. Like, are you serious? And I mean, that's what a billable hour is. It's not, it's not a billable hour. It's billable six minutes. It's insanity. I mean, they work nonstop. And I remember the breaking point for him was looking up to his mentor who he still loves to this day. It had nothing to do with him not respecting his boss, but, you know, looking at the partner that he worked under and this partner was pulling all-nighters in the office. And mm. he was like, oh, so it doesn't get better. Like There is no light at the end of the tunnel. Yes, they're going to give me tons and tons and tons of money, but there's, but what's the point? I I'm, I'm, have no time to spend it. I have no time to do anything. And also I hate this line of work. So he left that all behind and pursued a job in entertainment, which is why I live in Los Angeles. It's not actually because I'm a snobby weather person and need my weather outside to be in nice <laughs> 72 degrees. I'm actually here for completely other reasons. So this is tough because I feel like I'm, this letter is so similar to Andrew's story. And again, we're on the other side of it. He did he did light it all down with a match and we did move and we, he did start over. And I'm just going to tell you miserable and regretful. It was hard and it's still sometimes hard. It is not something, this is not a decision I want you to take lightly. So my first piece of advice is I'm thinking that you have a very narrow vision of what jumping into what I call a glamor industry is. Um, glamor industries to me are politics, um, entertainment, sports, fashion, makeup, anything that basically sounds sexy at a cocktail party is a glamor industry. And what you need to know is people are lining up around the block to take minimum wage jobs. I mean, they would be paid less if they could, um, but because legally they can't, I mean, I'm talking nothing. I remember Andrew was making $10 an hour when we first moved out here in Los Angeles. Like that's what I'm talking about. So there are other ways to get into fashion that don't require moving to LA or New York or Paris. And I mean, the lovely thing that you're talking about is you don't necessarily want to be brokering deals for fashion designers. You want to be making the clothes and you can make clothes literally anywhere in the world. Um, so I kind of, my first point is I want to expand your mind um, and see if you could get a little bit more creative with what this looks like, because what you're saying right now and how you're laying this out is very all or nothing to me. And it doesn't seem like you're fully committed to the all yet because the student loan debts, the feeling frozen, I'm not sure what to do. I I'm going to be the first to tell you, you have to be so committed in order to justify turning your life upside down. Like, ridiculously committed. Um, I don't even know if I would have that commitment. I'm, I'm married to someone who has that commitment. Thank God. But like, I don't even know if I could have done it. It's really, really tough. So this isn't to say, let's not do it, but this is to say, let's consider all your options. And I'm only seeing like two right in this letter. And there's way more than that. So I want to, I want to bring Amber in because Amber 
talks to clients all the time that are trying to navigate these difficult choices. So Amber, I want to hear what your first thoughts are. So the first thing that I'm thinking of is the fact that she was mentioning she's going to be um, paying her student loan debt for a while well into her 40s. So let's say that's 15 or so years from now. Either way, you're going to have to pay back that debt. So do you want to be paying back the debt and being miserable in your career? Or do you want to be paying back the debt because you went to school, you had the experience, you did gain that education, and you never know how it could help you in the future, but you would be in a career that you actually love and have a passion for. So either way, you have to pay it. Either way, you're going to get older. It's just what do you want to be doing when you reach that point in about 15 years or so? Um, but I also agree, it, it kind of seems like she's thinking all or nothing. And she really needs to take some time to explore what her options are. Um, I don't know what field she's in now, but that field may have an option that can segue her into the fashion world. So definitely doing some research on that. Also considering if she maybe does need to take a few more classes, hopefully not as expensive as her undergrad and graduate programs were, but classes that she can take just to start building her, um, her vision and her reputation on the fashion scene. Like she says, she doesn't really know a lot of people, doesn't have a lot of connections. And so regardless of where you're working currently, you can take the time to start making those connections and start learning as much as you can. Um, another great option that many people forget about is volunteer opportunities. Like if you have a job and you are able to kind of stick that out to make sure that everything you need is taken care of, Maybe look into a volunteer opportunity, see if there's something that you're able to do in the fashion world, get your experiences, possibly an internship on the side, on the weekends, at nights, just to get a bit more experience and figure out if that's even what you really want to do. Don't uproot your entire life and say, I'm going to move to LA or Paris, and then you don't have a plan and you get there and you're in the same position that you're in now. So doing your homework is just really, really important. Um, and then figuring out what your next steps are. She could even consider, um, she or he could consider a passion project. Like that's kind of how I started with um, my Instagram page. I was passionate about becoming a life coach. I was passionate about working for Blush. And so I made a creative outlet where I'm able to share things that are related to happiness and joy in the life coach coaching space and really got a great feel for it before I was officially working in the field. So that could also be an option that she considers. Yeah. I love that. Elise, what do you think? Yeah. I think you guys both pointed out two things, the fixed mindset aspect of that all or nothing. And then also like, it sounds like because she's already agreed in her mind that she's not gonna make a career change, then it's kind of preventing her from like starting that exploratory phase. But I want to tell a story about someone, another oh story, gosh, another story, two stories in one podcast. Two How stories. did we luck out? I know. I. It's so funny. Cause every time I tell stories, people are always like meat and potatoes, sister. Like let's So <laughs> if they're long-winded, it's fine. Um, okay. So when I was in grad school, um, you ha obviously have like a cohort, right. And your cohort is like you know, a bunch of different people that you take classes with. You start at the same time and you usually end at the same time. And, um, and I just explained that cause I didn't know what a cohort was, but now I'm thinking like, probably a lot of people know what a cohort was. So people who go to graduate school usually know what a cohort is. Okay. That's pretty common. Okay. I did not. So, um, anyways, I sat down next to this man who was like 85 years old. Is this John? 
This is John. We've talked about John. So I sat next to John and we, he's just reminded me so much of my grandpa, just so soft-spoken, wore khakis, a polo, like so cute. He was just such a sweet soul. And you know, you like talk and you're good. I like talk to everybody. So I was like, John, like, nice to meet you. I'm Elise. Like, I'm so curious because like, obviously you're older and you obviously know. you're old as fuck. What are you doing here? <laughs> I I know I was trying I like had to ask but like yeah I was just so curious and he thank god didn't take it in the wrong way but I'm like John like you're fucking old like what are you doing here like tell me your story and he's like yeah I forget what he said his career was but he had like a very successful career as like a banker or something and then he was like yeah and then I retired from banking and I realized that I was gonna, I've always wanted to be a therapist. And I knew that if I died without doing that, that I would have regrets forever. And so here I am and I'm going to be a therapist. And I was just so inspired by John because it's like a lot of what I heard in this submission was like feeling like too much time has passed and that it's too risky to like make a move. Right. Because there is, I mean, but there is no reward without a risk, right? Like you're going to, if you don't move miserable and regretful, if you don't change careers, you're going to always wonder like, what if I did? And that's, you still have a lot of life ahead of you to be having that question looming over your mind. So channel John, John's my biggest inspiration. And I just thought that was such a good story. You know, it is a good story. We've referenced John before and John, you're not done. You're still, you're going to continue to be referenced on this podcast because John is a legend. You know what we should do? We should have John. On we, should, we should have John and be like, we talk about you all the time. He's like, I'm sorry. Who are you? What is this? What are, what are, what am I doing here? Yeah. I mean, here's, here's the other thing. And again, this is coming from someone who's lived this and I hate to be the dream killer. Cause that's obviously not what I'm trying to do. Andrew did quit. He is pursuing his dream in entertainment, but how do I put this? When you make your passion and your hobby, your job, There are a lot of things that I don't think people are prepared for, especially again, when you're talking about a glamor industry. Mm -hmm. And so there are a lot of people who already have those connections that you don't, that does not mean that you can't make them, but that stood out to me. It's like, okay, you're already starting. Like you're not even starting on first base. You're starting in the parking lot. You know, like we've got, we've got to make sure that she does the hustle work before she goes, but hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. What if this fashion can be her hobby for the next six months, okay? Or even year. And she looks for another job that doesn't want to make her absolutely pull her hair out. And maybe as Amber said earlier, she could pivot to something um, that's a little bit more like fashion adjacent, right? Or like, let's say she's an accountant. What if she tries to get a job, I don't know, with a fashion apparel company, you know, in her city, whatever. Um, and then tries to make fashion her hobby because it's interesting how much you can actually be fulfilled by something that, nece- that isn't necessarily your day job. But if you're miserable at your day job 
everything else seems horrible too. And so I just want to make sure that she, as we talked about earlier, is exhausting all of her options before she makes this big jump. Um, Because these big jumps can sound so romantic and so beautiful in the offset. And then you're in it knee deep and you're like, oh my God, this is so hard. This is so hard. And sometimes the struggle becomes almost just as unbearable as the daily routine that you were in before. And again, this isn't to say, so don't do it, but this is to, I'm trying to be a sobering voice here of we've got to make sure that you take some baby steps before we take the big plunge. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause it's like, it's a great idea. Sure. You can start over. It works out for some people, but for other people, it does not always work out. So you need to make sure that whatever you are jumping into, you're not jumping in blind, that you have a clear expectation. You have a timeline in mind. It doesn't necessarily be so strict or a fixed timeline, but Hey, I'm going to give this one year and five years. If it doesn't take off the way I want it to, I'm going to go back into my old career. Um, but really having an idea of where you want to go and how you want to get there. Um, And then again, exploring those options. Like if fashion is exciting, especially the design component, maybe the letter writer could consider um, owning a boutique, starting up their own business, then, you know, starting with sourcing um, clothing and things from other places, and then eventually doing their own designs and getting everything made. You, and that could even start as a side hustle. It doesn't have to be something that's jumped right into. It's just, I think that our letter writer is, like you said, seeing the glamour of it all right now. Um, and just thinking like, I want to be making dresses for people who are on the red carpet. And that's completely attainable and that's fantastic. But at the same time, that may not be realistic for every single person. And so you can still be in fashion, you can still enjoy it, but finding your lane for what that looks like. And even with your current degree, a lot of store managers have a bachelor's in anything and everything, but they're able to kind of work in Nordstrom and things like that and segue into the fashion world. Yeah, absolutely. So y'all are saying to, you know how they have those pools and there's like a deep end and then there's like the walk-in like sand beach, like walk in the sand beach versus like diving into the deep end. That's like what I'm hearing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, but that's so hypocritical of me because that's not what we did. Um, but I will say the reason and the only reason I agreed to jump off the deep end with Andrew is because I knew he was going to be shameless. Mm-hmm. And I mean, shameless. And that's what you have to do when you are starting over and you're moving to a big city and you're doing this new, again, big competitive industry situation is he was literally hitting up his old roommate's friend from a wedding. Like this is literally how Andrew got his first job. A friend of his went to a wedding. Their girlfriends were both in the wedding. They had to like hang out all day. And he happened to say, oh yeah, I'm an agent at a big talent agency. And he was like, talking, you know, to his network in Austin. And the guy was like, Hey, I actually like randomly hit it off with this guy. Who's an agent at this agency. Would that be of interest to you? And Andrew was like, yes, yes, yes. So we literally went to visit LA. Andrew hit this guy up, begged him to get a drink with him. And like, the guy was like, this is insane. You're, you're insane. You are a hustler. This is crazy. Yes. I will forward your interview or your resume to HR, but you know, we had to move to LA before they would offer him a job. So we moved in August and he didn't get a job offer until November. 
Like, oh my that's God. The, yeah, that's the kind I, of shit I'm talking about. I didn't know this story. Andrew's scrappy as fuck. Oh my gosh. Yes. Shameless. And like that, he was willing to do that. He was willing to be humiliated by moving without a job, waiting for the call. When he got the call, he had to work in the mail room and he started in November. So he was literally delivering mail as Christmas presents to people. He came in to, because he heard me talking about it. <laughs> Stop. Go away. We're recording. We're live. <laughs> Hi, Andrew. He's like, I heard my, yes, you're on the podcast. You have to go away now. Hello listeners. Hello listeners. listeners. But yeah, it's true. He was literally like, we called him Santa Claus because he was actually delivering gifts to agents uh, in the mailroom because when they go on Amazon, they wanted their gifts delivered, you know, to the office. And that was his job. I mean, that is humiliating for a 29 year old lawyer from the biggest firm in Texas. Like that's what we're talking about here, which is why I'm saying, if you haven't considered that that might be your future, could I interest you in the beach where you gradually go into the ocean instead of parasailing your parachute completely exploding and you just falling yes. in the middle of it? You know what I mean? I mean, it was, it was scary, but it wasn't just that it was, it killed our egos. It killed our, you know, security. I mean, it was just, we were free falling and it was scary. And that's the choice that we made. I'm just not sure if everyone wants to make that same choice. Yeah. So you have options, letter writer. I also think too, like, you know, networking would be like a great, like when I decided to leave my first job out of college and was thinking about going to grad school, I reached out to literally random therapists online. Like I searched a Google search and psychology today and LinkedIn. And I literally messaged random people and said, Hey, I'm just thinking of like getting into the field. I would love for us to be able to connect. And you to tell me a little bit about your job. What do you like about your job? What do you not like about your job? Like, it sounds like this letter writer fashion is obviously a passion from childhood, but like let's incorporate that, you know, let's talk to people, let's connect with people, let's build your network and, you know, get a little taste of it now. Cause who knows, who knows, maybe, you know, she starts an Etsy, Etsy shop and doesn't love it, but that doesn't mean that there's not other options, you know, like there's so many different careers out there. What's that great career assessment? Um, Oh, it's a strong interest inventory. It's not necessarily a career focused assessment, but it's an assessment that you do based off of your interests. I actually, Callie, you'll love this. When we did this in grad school, we um, all went around and everybody's fucking first career was mental health professional. And then it was like child mental health professional. Like everybody's top three was something in the mental health field. Mine was bartender was my first one. And I was like, why am I paying 60 grand when I should just, I mean, bartenders are essentially therapists. All you do is talk to people. Callie says she learned more being a bartender than in grad grad school. school. 100%. Like it's not even a competition. Um, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, I think that there, this is my least favorite phrase, but it's all that's coming to mind. There are so many ways to skin a cat. Gross. I have cats. Don't skin a cat. (laughs) But it's true. 
And I think that when you are so stressed out and, and this letter writer, letter writer sounds acutely stressed out. And I don't know about y'all, but when I'm stressed out, I have very black or white thinking. It is like, everything is either great or nothing is great. It's like, everything sucks. And I'm getting very much everything sucks vibes here. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, we're not necessarily talking about should she quit the job that she has. I think she should. I think yeah. she should probably quit the job that she has, but maybe find a buffer job. Maybe it's closer to fashion. Maybe it's not. Maybe you're just working for a huge asshole and you need to find a, you know, a more supportive environment where you're not acutely stressed out 24 seven and you can actually start thinking clearly because maybe then volunteering to make dresses for the local fashion show sounds like a gas. And then all of a sudden you've got this vibrant extracurricular life where you're making dresses and then you're selling them. And then, I don't know, you have this little label in your community, but you still have a job that you don't mind going to. I mean, that doesn't sound re really bad to me. And you know what you also don't have to do? You don't have to answer other people's phones in New York who are assholes and think that they're the best because their parents set them up with a fashion job out of college. You, you yeah. see what I'm saying? You see what yeah. I'm saying? Right. There are options. I definitely agree. I think it's really important for miserable and regretful to ask themselves, what is my happiness worth? So figuring that out first is really going to be a catalyst to help them move in the right direction. Um, and I definitely agree. If this job is not making you happy, go ahead and leave. There are so many options and it's, you can think of it as temporary. Like you guys know, as much as I enjoy teaching, there are a lot of parts of it that I do not enjoy, but I knew that I wanted to go to grad school. I knew that I wanted to coach more. I had just moved and there were so many things that were pulling me in different directions. And so I'm like, you know what, let me go with what I know, go back to teaching, go back to the classroom and have that as like a safe space while I'm figuring everything else out. Mm -hmm. And so it's not something that has to be forever but making a temporary move that's going to support what you want to do in the future can always be a helpful decision. Yeah. Yeah. You just sparked something. I hear this a lot with all of my clients, but it's like almost like this pressure that like every decision we make now is going to impact the rest of our lives forever. Like it almost feels like the stakes are so high that it's this like extreme pressure and like so much anxiety because it feels like, like if someone was like, Elise, you have to pick what you're going to have for dinner right now for the rest of your life. Like I would be frozen. Like I wouldn't know what I would want because that's like a huge thing to commit to, you know? So I feel like exactly what Amber said, like you can have like an in-between buffer job, like that works for you right now that might not work for you in a year or five years, right? It's like really focusing back to the now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's also taking responsibility and wondering, is my career the only thing that's bringing me down right now? Or is that just what I'm blaming everything on? Because it's really easy to blame all your problems on one thing that you can't really control. And at this age, I'm assuming, you know, she's not saying she's senior vice president where she gets to run her day. I mean, I'm assuming that she works for other people and a lot of her day-to-day -day is outside of her control. It's so easy to say my life sucks and it's because of that. And it's because I'm not following my dreams. It's like, okay, but what else is going on? Are there other things that we could maybe attend to before making this radical choice? Again, I am all about chasing your stuff. All right. 
I mean, Amber's like little, you know, aspiring blush coach, like, oh my God, fill me up with joy more. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> it like made my heart sing. I was like, yes, this is a girl who's putting it out there. Also shameless, <laughs> might I say, you have to be shameless. Like, how did you think yes. I was going to react? The founder of a company <laughs> might be like, this is weird, right? Like there are people who'd be like, Ugh, like, oh, that's a little extra for me. I was like, yes, because this is the type of coach I want, because that's the type of energy I want my clients to get. So like, hell yes, but not everybody, right. Responds to it like that. And Amber put herself out there. And if you want to make a change, you got to be like Amber and just put it all out there. So my question is, are you ready for that? Do you want this badly enough that you're ready to be that shameless? Or are there other things that we could address before you make this change? And frankly, I think you should address those things anyway. Like just do a tune up and make sure we're all, you know, running on all cylinders here because this is going to be, no matter what, you're looking at a lot of change around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I like to um, do a little project with my clients on is kind of creating a puzzle of their life. So these are all the pieces that contribute to what your life is, what pieces aren't necessarily fitting very well, what pieces need to be moved to a different area, um, really do an entire assessment um, because 28 is young, like there's so much opportunity, but you also want to make sure that you're not spending all of your time chasing the wrong thing and missing what the issue actually is. So I love that you mentioned like really assessing what's everything else looking like in your life, is there anything that you are running away from or what are you truly trying to find? Mm -hmm. um, and is career the thing that is going to fill that void for you? Because it may not be, you may need to rearrange a few other pieces of your puzzle before you make a career jump. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that you brought up an activity. I love activities and I love doing activities with my clients. One of a great one that I do with new clients. And then I check in every like three months or so is the fulfillment scale. I've told Callie about this before. It's so great and people really love it. And I think that it kind of goes along with like assessing the different areas of your life, but you basically have a, a scale of one to 10, one being not fulfilled at all, 10 being super fulfilled. And then you go through, I think it's mental health, physical health, career, family, friends, love, spirituality and any other, I'm sure I'm missing some, but there's like a whole list of 10 that you can go through and you basically go right where you're at, why you're rating that way and what would make it a 10. And then you kind of like use that as a baseline. But I think that that would, both of these activities would be so good for this letter writer to do. Mm -hmm. For yeah. sure. It kind of sounds similar to the, um, the blush values assessment where it's broken down into different areas of your life and figuring out what your top values are. Mm, I love yeah. that assessment. Yeah, we created, well, when I say we, I'm more looked over it. I was like, yep, that looks good. Thank you, Elise. But it, it is really great. But yeah, I mean, I now I'm coming back to another one of my clients, which by the way, girls, if I haven't mentioned it yet, which I know I already did, you better be fucking listening to this, okay? <laughs> but I've noticed I have one client and, and she's changed three jobs in, I guess the time that we've been working together. And finally on job number three, she realized, oh my God, the problem isn't my career. The problem is me, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, the problem's you, but the good news is, is we can fix you. Fixing a career is a lot more challenging because we can't control how other people manage. We can't control how other people behave in the office. We can't control how other people treat you, but we can control 
how you treat you and you know, your standards for yourself. And if you're looking over your shoulder, I mean, one of her things is always trying to be perfect within the job. And so she gets exhausted and burned out. And then she realizes she hates her job, but she doesn't hate her job. Right. She just hates having to be on all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's something that I've seen just a pattern in people again, is kind of attaching sometimes the wrong, emphasis on their career when it's really not the career's fault. It's, it's your relationship with your career. And, and I, I have other clients too, where it's like, you know, not everybody has to have a career they're passionate about. Not everybody has to live out their childhood dream. And frankly, as long as you wake up in the morning and you're like, okay, cool. You go to work, you don't mind it. You get a paycheck and you come home and you can do things that you love outside of it. I'm okay with that. Right? Like as, as we talked about earlier, not everyone has to be chasing their crazy career dreams. Um, and that can, we talked about on the ambition episode. Um, and so, I mean, it does seem like this letter writer in particular wants more. And if you're convinced that you're ready to give it all to get more, then I support that. And I think, you know, as Elise said, you need to start networking. You need to have savings put aside. Yes. Like, I mean, that's not even a question. You said, what else am I missing? Where do I begin with money? You have to start with money because if you don't have money, then you are going to like burn out of it faster than you can even imagine and be miserable. I don't care if that's for a side hustle or if you pack it all up and move to New York. I mean, either way you have to have money. So this whole dipping your toe in the next six months, you better be saving. I think Andrew and I saved up like 30 K in order to move out to LA. Do you know how fast that money went? Oh my God. Oh my God. And it's not like we were living a bougie lifestyle. Okay. Remember I was drinking two butt chuck and a mouse ate my sweet potato. All right. So we were not living a life full of luxury. Like that's where we were at. So you better save, save, save if you want to do this. Oh my God. I'm dead. Callie. I, you are so entertaining. I'm literally the most entertained. Let me, this is totally not related, but anytime I'm having a hard moment. And like, I feel like I want to cry. I literally think of when Callie texted me saying that she ordered raw tuna in fucking East Texas. Okay. For anyone who hasn't been to East Texas, you don't need to go. And number two is there is no body of water anywhere near East Texas. No water. Raw sushi has to be raw. It cannot be frozen. It is. I did. I ordered the tuna tower and Andrew looked at me and he goes, what are you doing? Did you forget where you were? And I was like, Oh my God, I forgot where I was. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And he was like, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. I was like, I'm not going to be okay. I'm not going to be okay. I'm not going to be okay. And then it came out and the avocado was rock hard. And I was like, okay, she ain't in Kansas anymore. That's fine. I ate it and it's okay. But I did have a moment where I was like, someone needs to be a witness to, to, to what I just did. Um, any way. So yes, moral of the story is save money and don't order yes. raw tuna in Mount Vernon, Texas. Love, love you, Mount Vernon. I love you. It's so much fun when we go, but don't do that. Don't oh do that. God. I can't. And I'm crying. <laughs> I have questions about the sweet potato, but also like it just like when you mentioned um me having that as my bio on Instagram, aspiring blush life coach, like if I was just like, I'm going to put this out there and I'm going to sit here and do absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Like that is not going to make any progress for anybody. So 
I kept my day job. Like, yes, this is an aspiration that I have. I know that it's something that I will be fantastic at doing, but I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. And so I'm about to go clock in and teach these children and do what I have to do until I'm to a point where I am a successful life coach, which here we are. Oh, yeah. Here you I, mean, are. I mean, count down the minutes, people. She's in a hot demand. And the other thing, too, is that what Amber does is she puts herself out there still. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I made it and she did. She she put herself out there for blush. She got it. But then she puts herself out there with blush. And so I tell my other coaches all the time, you know, Amber can dictate how many clients she has at a given moment. Because if she if one graduates, she'll get another one the next day if she wants it. It's up to her because she's on the Instagram account. You recognize her face. She's, you know, always thinking about new things. And it's like, that's what you have to do. And it's because, you know, I'm speaking for you, but I think it's because Amber really loves this and is really passionate about it and is willing to put in that work and to do it because that's what she wants. And so I I just come across people all the time that are like, oh, like I like movies. So I want to work in movies. And I'm just like, you know, I'm that bitter, cynical old lady that it's like, really? Then fucking watch one when you get home. Like you you don't need to go, you don't need to work in the movies. Do you understand how tough this is going to be? Like, great. I'll give you my Netflix password if that's what it's going to take to get you out of here. But like, that's, that's kind of how I I look at some people. So I was like, yeah, that, that would done that sound nice, but the actual work that goes into it is completely different. And so Amber does a lot of work for this, but it's because she loves it and she's willing to do it. And so for her, it's like, you know, I'm not saying that you're breaking your back or anything, but you just have to understand that it's harder than it looks, I think is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, for sure it is. But like, if you're passionate about it, you should be willing to do the work. Um, And of course, I love a graphic organizer. So that is what I recommend. Like, put your goal right there in the middle and then branch off every single thing that you need to do to get there. So you see it in a tangible way, like, okay, I want to work in the fashion industry. Here are all of my options. Here are the things that I need to do to, for this option, for that option. And then you can figure out what your next steps are. But I mean, don't wait if it's really something that you want to do, but also be smart about it. Make sure you have some type of income, some type of savings and some type of plan because you're going to be out there floating, looking a mess if you don't have a plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And network, network, network. I mean, I can't think of one job, one opportunity, one situation in Andrew's case where he hasn't had a break or the next job or the next something because of someone he knew. And, and I, I hate making, bringing that stereotype to life because I really wish it wasn't true. Like I genuinely do because it's so tough to compete with family connections. Like it, it's just, it feels impossible most days. And so, you know, Andrew's out there hustling because, you know, he's from Mount Vernon, as as we went over earlier. Uh, His family's not in the movie business. They would love to be able to help him out with that. My family's not either. Our friends weren't either. Like, we had to come up with this from scratch. Like, we're literally stalking wedding guests from four years prior. I mean, that's how desperate we were. Um, Thank you, Jordan, by the way. We are still friends. Congratulations (laughs) on your newborn. So, I mean, you know, like... That, that's what you got to do. So save and network if you're serious about this, because you're going to have to work honestly twice as hard to get half as far, really. Um, and that's just the reality, but that doesn't mean it's not worth it. Amen to that. Completely agree. Yay. Okay. Final thoughts, ladies. Do we have final thoughts for what is her name? Miserable and regretful. Ooh, that's depressing. 
I know. I think my only final thing is that like, if you're miserable or you're using the word hate in any aspect of your life, that's probably telling you something significant. So like, just take that and run with it and just don't be afraid to make a change because it's not too late. Yeah. Like you don't want to be miserable and regretful six months from now, a year from now, five years from now. So start working towards whatever your next steps are, hopefully in the direction of the fashion industry, but work towards it every single day and just do your homework. Make sure you know what you are um, getting yourself into and what your options are to make it a success. Yeah. Okay. My last thought is, I'm glad I said her name because this sparked something. Amber, you said this earlier and honestly, kind of talking about this with Elise earlier too, regretful. Ooh, I hate that word. And I hate that feeling. And there's just nothing worse because you can't go back in time. So this might be me being Pollyanna because I have issues with regret, but I also think I might be right. Amber said earlier, you don't know how your education is going to affect your future. And no one can take your education away from you. Yes, you still might be paying for it. So you can't forget it every single month. But I know that Andrew's law degree has come in handy big time. And I'm not going to go into all the ways that it's maybe saved his ass or given him an edge or given him a new opportunity because that's not really the point. But just know that that law degree that he hates, he despises. I mean, he was so angry with it because it was so expensive and it took so much time he has come around big time. It took seven years. I think we're at seven years of being in LA, maybe six. I don't know. It took a long time, but he has completely come around and is thankful for it. And so I want to just, to just tell you that maybe don't be so rude to your degree and maybe think about how you can use it as a strength instead of a weakness, because it might guide you down an easier path instead of almost rebelling against it. Mm. Um, I think you can maybe use it to your advantage and be grateful for it um, because you chose it for a reason, okay? So there were lots of graduate programs and lots of high paying jobs out there. And for some reason you did gravitate towards this. So maybe just sit with it for a little bit and try not to be so angry at it and see what happens. Um, because like Elise said earlier, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Ah, you know, turn that cold coffee into iced coffee. You know, I'm, <laughs> <about>. <laughs> I'm disgusting. I'm a disgusting human being. <laughs> it's just the cutest thing ever. She's like, I drink half my coffee and leave it out all day. And then it's iced coffee from Starbucks. I'm like, that's not how it works. That's not, that's not how any of this works. <laughs> Okay, guys, we will wrap this up. Um, if you would like to write into us to get our wisdom and feedback and advice, you can write into blush you at joinblush.com. Please give us all the details. We love details. And if you're interested in maybe making a career change or seeing what's out there or processing this really tough transition, I mean, Coach Amber is like totally here for you. So consider joining with promo code bless you all caps for 25% off your first month. Um, like I said, Amber is definitely a generalist. She has a lot of things that she coaches in career just happens to be one of them. And of course we also have other coaches who love digging into career. Uh, so come on down. We are ready to meet you and ready to work with you. The price is right. That reminded me of the price <laughs> is right. Yes. Now I need a dress made from miserable and regretful so that I can be one of the girls. That's like, 
like, yes, come join us. Right. Instead of my t-shirt and pants. Okay. Thanks guys. This is really fun. I appreciate you being here and sorry for Andrew's rude interruption earlier. He apologizes. Um, (laughs) All right, guys, we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.